As we try to emerge from the pandemic, if in fact we are close to the tail end of it, as we'd like to think, it's already clear certain populations have faced and are facing more challenges than others. Today on The Pulse, we tackle some of those challenges with an expert in one area where preventive medicine is of particular importance. This is the Yukon Health Pulse, a podcast to help you get to know Yukon Health and its people a little better, and hopefully leave you with some health information you'll find useful. With Carolyn Pennington, I'm Chris DeFrancesco. Health disparities already were a problem before COVID-19. And of course, the pandemic has caused additional strain for many, especially those dealing with issues related to employment, childcare, living conditions, socioeconomic status, or access to care. For women facing those challenges, it can be even harder. That's why we've invited Dr. Sean Cooper, Yukon Health Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialist. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. Well, so what? let's start off with your observations about how the pandemic has impacted women's health. So, of course, overall, this is on a lot of different levels. So if we're talking just women's health in general, take aside, we're not even talking about pregnancy. The pandemic itself has caused a lot of women to kind of second guess or ask for second opinion. Some of them are not really even coming in for services. Um, At the beginning of the pandemic, we struggled a lot with that. A lot of patients were afraid to come in. They thought that, you know, if they came to the hospital, that's actually where they were going to get COVID. So a lot of times they were seeking advice from social media or other places uh, instead of coming in to ask for advice. On the pregnancy side, we also struggled a lot because a lot of pregnant women did not want to get vaccinated. It was only recently that we've slightly improved our vaccination rate among pregnant women, but we've struggled with that throughout the pandemic for a lot of different reasons. Um, A lot of them just question the validity of getting vaccinated. So after research has come out that has showed that COVID itself is actually impacting the placenta, it can impact the growth of the fetus, and it also can cause a lot of severe symptoms for pregnant women. Only after that research has come out recently, some of the pregnant women are more likely to get vaccinated, and we've still struggled. We're still struggling um, to just encourage them to get vaccinated. Are you seeing more women, at least now, or maybe more over the last six months, a year, kind of weighing the risk of a hospital-acquired COVID infection against the benefit of, you know what, I'm overdue for a mammogram. I'm overdue, overdue for other regular preventive type things. Absolutely. Just in general, the vaccine itself, unfortunately, um, has some political sides of it, and, and some women have their own opinions about the vaccination. They'd rather get the monoclonal antibodies after they've tested positive for COVID versus getting vaccinated in pregnancy. And, you know, we go through the risk of getting the monoclonal antibodies and say that this is not a replacement for vaccination, and they still don't want to get vaccinated. So, you know, I don't know what it's going to take at this point Um a lot of times it's a personal experience. So someone in their family got really, really sick or their spouse or their children, someone that personally impacted them got infected with COVID. And that's when they typically will come in and say, hey, I think I'm ready to get the vaccine. 
So we can encourage them. We try to encourage them even for their regular routine things. They're more likely to come in for that now versus us getting them boosted and getting them vaccinated in general. So as far as women of color, what specific challenges have they been facing during this pandemic? Absolutely. So women of color in general have faced I think more, they've been impacted the most out of um, everything that has happened with, with the pandemic. And that's mainly because of the environmental barriers and social barriers that they were already facing prior to the pandemic. So a lot of women of color, are they sometimes you, you're in a single parent home or they're the solely working. And so they are responsible for going out and working. They can't take off from work. They can't really come to these appointments. And so when we're requiring them to come in to be seen or be evaluated, there, some of them may not show up for the appointment or they're missing work. And so that really, really impacts if they're going to be compliant or if they're going to come in. The other part of this is that there's been so much mistrust with these patients and providers in general that they don't want to come in. And if they come in, you know, they're they're not asking the correct questions or they're coming in and they're, they may be defensive a little bit, but they're not really trusting what the providers are saying. They're kind of going for outside sources. And so we're kind of ba- combating two things. We're combating these social economic problems that these women have, but we're also battling the mistrust that they have with providers, which is kind of longstanding. And this is not something that started with the pandemic. It's just, you know, being brought up a lot more with the pandemic. But, you know, we're, we're trying to combat these things on both sides. When you have a, a woman of color come in to see you, do you think by being a woman of color yourself, does that put maybe you in a little bit more of a position of advantage to try to maybe have the proper advice resonate with that patient if they can say, okay, this person's relatable. We have some similarities that maybe my white doctor doesn't have that connection with. Do you find that that helps reach some of these people? Absolutely. I've had patients to travel from Danbury or, you know, very far just to come see me because, you know, they're looking for a provider that looks like them. Or I've had a patient, you know, they they saw their OB and then they come see me for an ultrasound and they're like, I didn't understand anything my OB said. And so it's honestly just breaking things down in layman terms, you know. Like I had a patient in the hospital and I was with another provider. We were kind of signing off to each other. So the provider is talking in medical terms. And then I look at the patient's face and she doesn't understand a thing he says. Mm -hmm. And then I basically just say, he's just saying this. And she's like, oh, okay. So it's it's really kind of, you know, trying to relate to these patients. And, And basically I tell a lot of patients, like, you know, I'm talking to you as if, you're my sibling, so we're going to have that kind of conversation. And I'm not really going to use a lot of medical terms. And I think, you know, it's just how you relate. And and, and it really, really um, comes down to just looking at your patient and really trying to understand, okay, do you even understand anything I'm saying? So a lot of times they trust someone that looks like them, but it's not even a lot, you know, looking like them is more as just relating to them and trying to understand where they're coming from. Now, you're finding some other creative ways of connecting with your patients. Tell us about your social media <laughs> presence. So that's it's so funny because I really only got on social media heavily because I had patients coming to me saying, well, I saw this on TikTok or I saw this on Instagram. And I'm like, what What did you see? So I'm, <laughs> I'm they're showing me the TikTok videos. 
And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to get on TikTok. So I really just started, you know, getting on there and I would just do little crazy dances, but answer like the questions that literally patients were coming in the office and asking me. And then I feel like within maybe a month, my, my TikTok just kind of like grew and like, you know, I, I don't even know how many followers I have. I'm pretty, it's definitely over a hundred thousand followers now. <laughs> wow. And I kind of backed <laughs> off a little bit and I'm just starting to get back on TikTok now, but you know, like when we were in the pandemic, it was just so important to get on there and address all those like the misinformation that was out there about COVID and then just in general pregnancy. And so um, it's it's growing and I, I, I get a lot of questions, a lot of demands from these followers. And so I had to back off a little bit. Wow. Do you have a really funny TikTok experience or uh, anything you can divulge? Oh, my from? God. Um <laughs> I think, you know, like a lot of times TikTok is supposed to be like that one social media that you can just go to and just kind of wind down at night. Yeah. And so sometimes these followers, they think that, you know, they can just say whatever to you. So sometimes I get on there and um, there's a funny story. I, I was on a committee and the vice president, Kamala Harris, she was on the call and I didn't know. And somebody mentioned one of my TikToks and she wanted to look at it. And I had to go through and start deleting TikToks because I was like, I don't know, there's something inappropriate. <laughs> oh, no. But it, so, you know, is Vice President Harris now uh, a follower? Of I don't know if she's following. <laughs> if she is, I would, you know, I would probably pass out. But um, I don't know if she's actually following me. But I know she did request to see like my TikTok, and so you know, I was just like, oh wow, I guess I really kind of like am a little famous on TikTok. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's been fun. It's definitely been fun. Going back to preventive health as a women's health expert, optimistically, by the time someone hears this, the pandemic will be over, right? But no, it's just in general. What are the important things that women of any pandemic or not, regardless of their cultural or, or racial categories, what are just the, the things that women need to know about preventive health? I, I would say preventive health in general, you know, the most important thing is at least seeking medical, um, some medical advice at least once a year and not really waiting until you feel pain to, to come in and seek advice. Um, I think, you know, what's important and a lot of times a lot of women are hesitant to, to come in for preventative care because nothing is really wrong, you know. So why am I why am I taking off from work? Why do I have to take this vitamin if, you know, it, I, I don't see any ailment on myself? And I think that's very, very important is to, you know, at least check on your body. Like It's just like, you know, if you're going to go on a diet or if you're going to, you know, lose weight for a wedding and get in this nice dress, that's just like your body. And so I think you know that's very important for women to just understand that your body is so important and and you should at least get it checked once a year but women aren't in tune with that right I mean or they put their family first exactly so yes women you know family comes first kids comes first jobs come become first so you know a lot of times I will talk to women and just say advocate for yourself like even if it's not health, even if it's something in the environment, socially, advocate for your self-care. That's so important. And it's a lot of times we just struggle to put ourselves first 
because we have so many other obligations that we're trying to take care of. So I think self-care, advocating for yourself, and just really making sure that you're at least seeking some medical advice, regardless if you're physically coming in or if you're having a consultation over the phone, just seeking some medical advice once a year. Going back to the actual process of being pregnant during the pandemic, how, how has the pandemic affected patients' approach to prenatal care or your approach as a provider to prenatal care? I mean, obviously, there had to be some impacts. Absolutely. And have we learned anything from that that we can take from beyond the pandemic? I think the most important thing that we've learned from the pandemic from a provider side and also a patient side is that there are some things that we can kind of do without, right? And and I'm saying that because, you know, you, we always think that a patient needs to come in physically to be seen. But when the pandemic happened, we may do with like televideo conference and we realized that, oh, wow, postpartum, I have a lot a higher show rate if I see this patient over a video conference because she has a two-week-old newborn versus if I'm trying to bring her into the office with a newborn. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we've learned so much from the pandemic in general about things that we essentially need and things that we can essentially survive without. Um, and so I, I think the pandemic has taught both providers a lot of lessons and also like patients in general that, you know, there, there are some things that we can kind of compromise on. And so telemedicine is really taking over um, and it's not going away. You know, we're still seeing patients via telemedicine. And obviously, we're still in the pandemic, but it's, it's working and it has been working. Um, and, you know, we we thought, okay, pregnant women can't be seen via telemedicine, but we, we may do with seeing patients via telemedicine. So this is kind of the new wave, and this is really the, the way that we're moving towards is telemedicine. Excellent. Before we say goodbye, Dr. Sean Cooper, anything else that uh, we should know about women's health as we hopefully kind of finish off with uh, COVID-19 here in 2022? I think that it's important for women to understand just in general that they can seek a second opinion. So if there's something that, you know, they're not understanding or there's something that they weren't clear on, it's it's okay for you to question your provider. It's okay to come in with questions. It's okay for you to ask to speak to a different provider. Um, and I, I think that, you know, if we understand that in general, a lot of women themselves will, will advocate more for their health. And I think that's just a, a very, very important message for women's health in general is to just push for advocacy for yourself and making sure that you're keeping yourself healthy, regardless if we're in the pandemic or not. Dr. Sean Cooper, UConn Health Women's Health Expert, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Uh, that is our time for today. For Dr. Sean Cooper and Carolyn Pennington, I'm Christy Francesco. Thank you for listening to the UConn Health Pulse. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch us next time, and please share with a friend. Thank you.